0: Want to learn how to leverage your marketing to get clients on repeat? Charge a fee that leaves you with money in your pocket even after you've finished paying your bills? And finally, stop working with the clients that you've long outgrown? Liberated Business is a transformational program that combines group and one-on-one work so you get the best results possible. This differs from every other program out there because it helps you make money while supporting your joy and liberation throughout your entrepreneurial journey. Liberated Business starts this June and runs through November, and enrollment is open now. Visit thebadtherapist.coach slash liberatedbusiness to get all of the details and sign up. DM me on Instagram at thebadtherapist with any questions or to learn more. I cannot wait to get started with you. that's almost like what we do to therapists. We're like, well, you set your practice up this way, so you just have to keep it that way forever. Doesn't matter that you had never run a business before and you were basically guessing when you first started it, when it came to your policies and your fee and your practices and all these other things. Tough shit. That's how it's got to be from here on out. Like That is a completely ridiculous expectation, but that's often how we treat each other. And when therapists are like, kind of getting uncomfortable with how they set things up and they're looking for other options and they go out searching in the community for support around that, they're often met with such hostility because we're like, no, you said it was gonna be this way at the beginning and that's your life forever. (laughs) Hey there, and welcome to The Bad Therapist Show, the podcast for current and aspiring private practice therapists who want to earn more money, work less, and have a way bigger impact. I'm your host, Felicia, the Bad Therapist, former goody-goody therapist turned six-figure private practice owner and therapist business coach. I'm here to help you learn everything you need to know about private practice and expanding beyond the one-to-one model so you can earn more money and increase your impact as a therapist without burning out or hustling. Using my proven, liberated business method, therapists at all stages of business have been able to grow their income while becoming even better therapists, and I'm on a mission to help you do the same. It's time for you to get your time back and enjoy being a therapist again. You ready? Let's get started. Hello and welcome to The Bad Therapist Show. I'm your host, Felicia, The Bad Therapist. Today, we're talking about how to raise your fees with clients and how to do it ethically. It's still really close to the start of the year, so it's a great time to be making updates to your fees and policies, and of course, we want to make sure that you do this ethically. In this episode, I'm going to share some helpful guidelines about how to raise your fees, as well as dispel some myths about what is and isn't ethical. As always, check with your licensing board for specific guidelines and regulations for your license type and jurisdiction. Let's get into it. So first, can we raise our fees? Yes, as a private practice therapist, you can raise your fees any time you want. Sometimes you'll be out in the world, maybe in a therapist Facebook forum asking this question, and you'll say, can I raise my fee? And you'll just have tons of angry therapists being like, I don't think so. That's unethical. Okay, that's not true. When you're running your own business and you're a therapist in private practice, you absolutely can raise your fees, whatever you want, however you want. Another question that I often encounter when I'm working with therapists is, I just raised my fees not that long ago, but I realized that I actually need to raise them even more. Can I do that or do I have to wait a year or six months to raise them again? And the answer is, no, you don't have to wait. And yes, you can raise them again. Later on in the episode, I'm going to walk you through exactly how to do this, but just know for now that if you are in a position where you recently raised your fees and you're realizing you need to raise them again, there's not a certain amount of time that you're ethically or legally obligated to wait. If you realize something needs to change, you're allowed to make that change. Another question I hear from the therapists is, I realized I need to raise my fee by like a significant amount. Like I need to raise it not by like $10 or $20, but by $50 or $100 or more. Am I allowed to do that? Can I do that? And once again, the answer is yes. You can raise your fees by a significant amount. There aren't actually rules or laws or even ethics regarding this. You are allowed to raise your fees by whatever amount that you choose. So all of these things, like I said earlier, are things that if you ask them in a typical therapist Facebook group or online forum, uh, that's unmonitored, <laughs> like one where there's no like rules and no one paying attention to what's happening, uh, then you may have gotten like shouted down by like an angry mob of therapists that are just saying that's unethical. And the truth is, is that these things are not just in and of themselves unethical like raising fees and like somehow not telling your clients, I don't even know how that would work. I guess you would like automatically charging them more money on their cards if you have them on file would obviously be unethical. But raising your fees and going about it in a way that your clients have the ability to opt in or opt out is in no way unethical. That might be challenging for some clients, but it's not inherently unethical. So I just want to dispel those myths because those are the most common questions that I see therapists asking is one, can I raise my fee? Two, can I raise it again after recently raising it? And then three, can I raise it by a larger amount, like 50 or or $100? And the answer to all of these questions is yes, you absolutely can. Now, a bit later in the episode, I'm going to share with you how to roll out these changes in an ethical way. But before we do that, I just want to discuss like some of the reasons why a therapist might raise their fee, why you might raise your fee. Because I think, again, we are so used to thinking, or like I would say commonly in the therapy world, we are often used to thinking of fee raises as like somehow these like cruel sadistic punishments for our clients. And in the best case scenario, like it should never be that. It should never, that should never be the reason why a fee increase is happening. But so often when we're out in the world trying to get advice from our peers about how to do this, the sort of responses that we get are sort of like, painting this picture that, that somehow if you're raising your fee or you want to make money doing this work, that you're doing something wrong. So I just want to talk through like some of the reasons that we raise our fees, some of the things some of the reasons why I've raised, raised fees myself, some of the reasons that my clients raise their fees. so let's go through this. So the most common reason therapists raise their fees is that they realize that their fee has been too low for a really long time. Like they came out, set their fee, And then they realized after maybe the third month in a row of stressing about paying their rent or the mortgage or having to ask your family member or friend to help buy your kid's school supplies or help pay for a field trip fee or saying no to yet another invitation to go on a trip with your dearest friends. Like These may be like the wake-up calls that have you realizing that your fee is actually too low because there are all these things in your life that you want to access, and some of them may be very, very basic needs. And others may be these more like fun, exciting, joyful things in your life. But either way, you're noticing that you are needing to say no to that. You're just feeling financial stress. And so that is your clue that your fee is too low. And especially you know, if you're maxed out with seeing clients, you can tell immediately because the answer is clearly not add more clients. Maybe you're totally at capacity. And so really the only lever you do have to pull is fee. And so without doing any math, you become aware that your fee is too low and something needs to change. So that is the most common reason why therapists are going to raise their fees. But let's explore another scenario. Why would you raise your fee after already raising it maybe that same year? Well, let's say that you raised your fee based on what I described above and you just you didn't do any math. You just noticed that you were feeling stressed out about money you were maybe getting sick. You were afraid to take time off. You just like couldn't afford the things in your life that you really wanted, and you were getting really frustrated by that. So you didn't do any math, and you were just like, mm, I feel like $20 more a session would make a really big difference. And so you did that. You rolled out that $20 fee increase, and most of your clients agreed. Maybe you lost like one or two clients. But after a few months, you realize that even with that $20 fee increase, you're still stressing out. $20 felt like a lot at the time that you were doing it, especially if like raising fees is new to you and that still feels really scary. So at the time it was like, oh my gosh, $20 is really all I can do. Like $30, there's no way I could raise my fee by $30. That would just be way too much. Right. So you raise it by $20. But then within a few months, you're like, wait a minute, where did that money go? It feels like it just evaporated. And you you just said no to yet another trip. Or you just, you know, were barely scraping by for your rent or your mortgage, like all of these things that you thought were going to be so different after making that first increase, just like you can't even tell. It basically is like you have no idea where that money went. And so maybe at this point you sit down and you do the magic sheets, which is my private practice fee calculator. And it's linked in the show notes. If you haven't used it before, definitely go check it out. But maybe you sit down and you're like, okay, I didn't do math last time. I thought $20 would be enough. Turns out I'm wrong. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some math. I'm going to use Felicia's calculator, and I'm going to actually find out exactly what I need to be charging in order to not only cover my business expenses and my personal expenses, but maybe that trip <laughs> that I keep on wanting to go on, or maybe that vacation I want to take my family on, or maybe I just want to know that I have... You know, money set aside to take time off if I get sick because maybe I have a chronic illness, or maybe you know I'm just a human who gets sick occasionally, and I don't want to be terrified to take time off, right? Maybe like you just want something as simple as that. So you're going to use the magic sheets, you're going to calculate your fee, you're going to not just have it cover your current life expenses, but the, some of the things that you have been saying no to for so long. And let's say. That when you do that math, it turns out that your fee should have actually gone up by 100 like the last time you raised it. Like what you actually needed to increase your fee to was 100 times more than what it was before. And so you already did that $20 fee increase, but you need to do basically another $80. So are you allowed to do that? Are you allowed to raise your fee after just having raised it a few months ago? And again, the answer to that question is yes, you can. It is not unethical to raise your fee again. Now, with a fee increase that size and where you may have more turnover in your caseload with such a large increase, you will likely want to simultaneously step up your marketing or have a coach to work with so you can come up with a strategy to roll this out. And again, you, I mean, all of us need better marketing. That's just true. Like (laughs) we could all always be improving our marketing. And so, like, that should honestly always be a part of your process. But if that hasn't been an emphasis in your business, and you're wanting to dramatically raise your fees, then this would become a really, really important time for you to really step up your marketing. And so in general, yes, you can do that fee increase. Now, the best metaphor that I have for this, if you're like, "Mm, I don't know, Felicia, I still don't feel like I can do that. That just feels like really wrong and mean to my clients. Like, And, you know, I know you're saying it's not unethical technically, but it sure does sound unethical. I want to walk you through a metaphor that I use whenever I'm discussing this kind of a scenario in therapy. So when therapists ask me this question of like, can I do another fee increase after having done one recently? I use the metaphor of BDSM. So for those of you who are in this world, this is going to make perfect sense to you really quickly. And for the rest of you, just just give me a minute to walk you through this. So in the world of BDSM and kink, before engaging in a scene, aka like doing the fun stuff, you have a conversation with whoever you're going to be playing with. And to the best of your abilities, you share what you think you would like and the boundaries for what you don't want. And if you're in agreement about the kind of experience you both want to have, then you can start the scene. But let's say that during the scene, something happens that you don't like. And maybe this was even something that you had agreed to in the negotiation before this scene started. Like maybe even beforehand you had said, yeah, I would like to do this, but then it's happening. And it turns out that you, in fact, do not like this and you do not want it to keep on happening. Do you just keep going because you already agreed to this type of interaction? No. In the safe corners of the BDSM and kink world, conventional wisdom would say that you stop the scene and you renegotiate. You don't keep on going just because you said that you thought you would like this before. When you were negotiating earlier, you were using the best information you had and you made your best guess. But now that the thing is happening and you have more data, essentially, you have new information. It would be really inappropriate, actually, not to use that information to continue in this scene with this other person or people kind of trying to pretend like you like a thing when you really don't, when you'd really prefer to stop. And so in the best case scenario, you would actually pause the scene and you would renegotiate. And if, you know, you might just like say, hey, we'll play later. You will hopefully debrief. It might be a really brief renegotiation where you're like, oh, hey, like this needs to change. And we're both like, okay, cool. No problem. Let's get back into it. That's fine. But either way, you would pause. And if you could come to an agreement again under like new parameters, then you could keep on playing. And if not, it doesn't mean that you're a bad person or the person you're playing with is a bad person. It just means that it wasn't a fit. And it's literally like no harm, no foul. You both came at it honestly with the best of intentions and it just didn't work out. And there are other people for both of you, all of you to play with. And this is a lot like how new therapists will set their fees. Like they don't similarly to being new in the BDSM or the kink world it's like you don't have a lot of experience you may have never negotiated something like this before maybe you just like you know hope for the best and go into a scenario and that's just not how it's done in this world but so maybe this is totally new for you and you maybe don't know how to articulate what you want or ask for what you want or maybe you still feel like shame or discomfort around being honest for that and so maybe the first few times you're negotiating you're not totally honest and maybe even through no fault of your own, like maybe literally you just don't know what you like yet. And so you try some things out and you like some things and you don't like some other things and you are meant to like grow and change and learn about yourself over time. And I mean, it's just part of the reality of starting a practice. If you've never done it before, it's really kind of hard to know what you're going to like. I mean, there's a lot of reflection you can do and I would encourage you to do that. I often encourage people to think about like, What is your ideal life and how do you actually create a practice that supports that rather than just like a practice that has to be a particular way because that's how you do private practice and, and it doesn't really matter if it supports the life you want or not. Like, That is how a lot of us set it up, but I would rather have you do some reflection, think about the kind of life you want to have, think about a practice that would support that actually do some math use the magic sheets it, it makes it i mean basically when you do the magic sheets you don't have to do math <laughs> the magic sheets does it for you you just have to like do a little bit of looking at maybe your bank statements or or yeah seeing what your expenses are and plugging in a few numbers but other than that the magic sheets really does do the bulk of the math for you but anyway Before getting into like running a practice, it's kind of hard to know exactly what you're going to like. And it's kind of similarly that it's like ridiculous to expect somebody who's new on the BDSM scene to like play exactly the same way that they played in their first scene for the rest of their time in that world. That's almost like what we do to therapists. We're like, well, you set your practice up this way, so you just have to keep it that way forever. Doesn't matter that you had never run a business before and you were basically guessing when you first started it, when it came to your policies and your fee and your practices and all these other things. Tough shit. That's how it's got to be from here on out. Like, that is a completely ridiculous expectation, but that's often how we treat each other. And when therapists are, like, kind of getting uncomfortable with how they set things up and they're looking for other options and they go out searching in the community for support around that, they're often met with such hostility because we're like, no, You said it was going to be this way at the beginning and that's your life forever. (laughs) So it's just not true. It's a completely ridiculous expectation. So I've tried to set up a lot of things so that you, you can start off on a stronger foot so that you are a little bit more grounded in reality. So you have a little bit more information about business in general, about money in general, and you can skip some of these kind of messy beginning points that a lot of us have to learn the hard way like i know i did i i learned a lot of these lessons the hard way in my private practice so i've created a lot of resources to help with that like the magic sheets like my free facebook group healing money like my group course liberated business like one-on-one coaching all of these things are meant to basically help you skip the line and get further ahead but I'll be totally honest with you. Even with all of these things, there is still a certain degree of, of trying things out and iterating that you're going to have to go through because ultimately your practice should be one that really, really suits you. And not just because like you should have that because that's nicer for you and pleasurable for you. I mean, honestly, that's a good enough reason in and of itself. But... It also has the added benefit of allowing you to do better work with your clients because you are more satisfied in your business. So it really is a win-win for everyone involved. And when you're engaging in your practice and engaging with your clients in a way that really doesn't suit you, it's kind of like being in that BDSM scene and you're like, I really don't like this, but I agreed to this. God. And you're kind of just like faking it and trying to get through it. Like, that's not cool. That's not good for the other person in the arrangement. They may not be fully aware that that's what's going on, but like it still sucks. It's not cool to engage with a client from that place. Now, I'm not saying that to shame you because I also understand that like you are 100% doing your best, and you also may be in a place where you've just become aware. That things need to change, but you're also dealing with a lot of fear of how to make those changes. And so, if you're in that middle ground, I want you to know I get it. You get to take your time, you get to make these changes as you can. And if you need support, because oftentimes we do, it's, I mean, these changes are very much against the grain. They are against what's considered typical, normal, (laughs) even ethical in our field, even though, like, technically they're not unethical, but like, we love to just say, like, that's unethical, right? There's a lot of barriers to making these changes, even if you're starting to get clear that they absolutely need to occur. So once again, if you need or want support, I'm here for you. There's so many more ways to get connected and to get support. I just listed a bunch. They will be in the show notes as well. All right, so now we've covered why you might raise your fee and that it is in fact okay for you to raise your fee by a large amount or multiple times in one year. So now, how do you go about doing that ethically? Well, the best thing you can do is have something in your informed consent, a statement that says something to the effect of, my fees may be increased at any time with written notice. If a client is not able to continue at the new fee, then a termination process will begin and the therapist will provide appropriate referrals. Now, if you don't already have something like this in your informed consent, it's not a problem. It doesn't mean that you can't ever raise your fees because you didn't put this in your informed consent. You still can raise your fees, but having something like this in your informed consent is really, really helpful because it sets the tone that, yeah, fees may increase at any point with written consent. It just sets the client up to know that. Uh, This is something that I had in my informed consent. Like I said, it was a very brief statement like what I just described. And that just gave me some reassurance. It doesn't change anything necessarily about if the client is going to be upset with this or not. Like, plenty of my clients were aware of this. In fact, they all should have been aware of it if they fully read the informed consent. However, like, that doesn't change someone's reaction in the moment to receiving this news. So it can't prevent like clients from being upset. But for those who would be upset simply because they had never been exposed to it before, this is gonna help give them that information upfront. Plus, if a client ever is like, well, what are you doing? You can't do this. You're going to have this in your informed consent and you'll be able to say, you know, see, it's right here. If it feels especially important to you, this could also be something that you bring up in that first session. When you're just kind of like reviewing and reiterating with the client some of the major policies that are going to impact them. So I would often in my first session remind clients of the cancellation policy because it is more unusual. It's becoming more common. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about a limited cancellation policy. You can check out episode 19 on that. Or grab the link in the show notes to check out a blog on my website, which is very, very thorough in terms of walking you through what that means. But anyway, this is something that a lot of clients haven't seen before. And so I would make sure in that first session just to review it because it is pretty impactful. Similarly, if it feels really important for you to reiterate this verbally in your vers- first session around like the fact that the fee could be increased, that is a totally okay thing for you to bring up. The other thing that I added to my informed consent is a statement saying that fees would be raised annually by a certain percentage or amount on a particular month of the year. So I learned really early on when I was in like group supervision, um, post-graduation, but like accruing my hours, I heard from one of my colleagues that he had heard from another colleague, that they like to do their automatic fee increases during their birthday month because it was kind of like getting a raise or getting a little gift. And I was like, oh, that's so nice. Like, what a cool way to do that. And so I thought that was a great idea. And I decided to adopt that in my practice. So in September, I would raise my fees. I think it was like $15 every month. And if or not every month. Oh, God, um, that would be a lot. Um, but also I'll just take this moment to say that is sometimes how therapists roll out fee increases is they will say like the fee is going up by a certain amount of money, but that will happen in a graduated way. So maybe it is going to be like $20 every month for the next however many months. Anyway, that's, that's a different thing. But anyway, I would raise my fee by $15. I think it was in my birthday month. But if I had to do it over again, I would probably change that number to 20 or 25 or even a percentage. So I think these two statements that I just listed, the statement that says, you know, your fee may be changed at any time with written notice and the fee will be increased annually by X amount of dollars in this month every year. Those two statements really go a long way and they set you up for future fee increases. So if you don't already have those in your informed consent, they're super, super easy to add. Just go do that when you're done listening to this podcast episode and you will feel so much better about future fee increases. When it comes to raising your fees with current clients, like I've already said, it's important to communicate that information in written form. That being said, you still have to decide if you want to initially share the news in written form, like email, or if you want them to learn about the fee increase first directly from you in session. I have gone about it by sharing this fee increase with clients in session. That's been my preference because I just want to be able to like be there for whatever kind of response they're going to have and be able to respond to it in the moment. I have plenty of clients that I work with, therapists in private practice, who love to just send it out via email and their clients do really well with that. In my practice, I've had clients who seem to be perfectly okay with the verbal and I think probably prefer it. And because that's the way that I've done it, I have also experienced clients who are very upset and they really wanted an email first. I worked with a supervisor for a really, really long time, a therapist in private practice that I have such deep respect for And we often talked about how like the fee is also clinical. And so I think that's one of the reasons why I chose to bring it up in session is because, yes, it is a part of like the nitty gritty business aspect of the fact that we are in a professional relationship. This is not a friendship. It's not something I'm just doing for fun. This is a professional relationship. This is my job. So in that way, it's like very practical, very nitty gritty. That being said, it also impacts people on like a really, really personal and emotional way under some circumstances. Not always. Some people are just like, cool, thanks for letting me know. When does it go into effect? Sweet. Like, no problem whatsoever. Um, other people have a very, very different reaction to it. And so that was my personal preference. And again, I don't actually have a strong opinion either way in terms of how you should go. I think that you should pick a process that you are going to use over and over again knowing that there will be people who are going to prefer that you did it differently, no matter what, (laughs) like it's just, it's going to happen from time to time. And so rather than trying to come up with an approach that's going to be like super specific for every single client, I would just kind of have a standard business practice where you're like, this is how I do this thing. And then in the therapy, if anyone has like reactions or responses to that, like I can handle that clinically because I'm equipped to do that. Um, It's not your job to necessarily make sure that clients are happy all the time. Like Again, this is a business practice, and I think it's okay for you to really set a process that you know works for you and then support your clients with however that impacts them. The other important piece about rolling out these changes ethically is that you're supposed to give quote-unquote reasonable notice for these fee changes, fee increases, or any other charges. And so what is considered reasonable notice is not clearly defined. I would say three months is plenty of notice. Uh, In fact, I think it's more than sufficient. And ideally, a client would make a decision about whether or not they would like to continue at that new rate within that first month. And then if they decide that they would not like to continue, then that gives you two months to bring the therapy to a close to do that ending termination process and to provide them with appropriate referrals. So three months is generally a pretty good window. I've worked with therapists who have done shorter windows. Um, I think when it comes to your, you know, annual increase, if that's something that you're going to put in place, then you know that could be a shorter notice because essentially they're informed of that from the very moment that they begin therapy. And so if you're saying, you know, on September first or you know whatever this fee increase happens, um, and you remind them of that a month before, then that may be enough time because it's in your informed consent. You might also remind them earlier just as a courtesy, but the point is that you need to give reasonable notice, and unfortunately or fortunately, that's not that's not clearly defined in our ethics, or at least not in the code of ethics for marriage and family therapists in California. Another really important piece to consider when you're rolling out a fee change is what your plan is if a client says that they can't continue or if a client is taking an extended period of time to sort of make up their mind about whether or not they're going to continue. Because let's say that you're saying it's going to, the fee increase is going to happen in three months, but you're like one and a half months in. this client is still not sure if they want to continue or not. And now you're cutting into maybe say some of the time that you would want to spend in the termination process. So you're feeling like, oh my gosh, can I actually end with this person in the next month and a half if they're not willing to do this fee increase? So I think it's really important for you to sit down and consider like, what is your plan if someone says that they will not continue? Like, are you actually willing to let them go as a client because i think what some therapists do is they're like i'm have, i'm increasing my fee and then client says i can't do that and then the therapist goes okay never mind <laughs> you can stay at the current fee and it's like wait a minute hold on was that fee increase fake like was that not really a plan so i think it's really 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 important for you to have a plan in place before you go into those conversations And if it is the case that it's actually okay for some clients not to do the fee increase, then you should actually know what the contingency plan is. Is there an in-between fee that they could pay? Um, And how many clients can you allow to do that? If every single person on your caseload says, no, actually can't do that fee increase, is there an option for them to actually pay something more than they were paying before, but something less than the full fee increase? make sure you have modeled that out. Again, you can use the magic sheets exactly to do this and kind of model out various scenarios to make sure that you're still hitting uh, your revenue goals. But really think that through. Because once again, if you're rolling out this fee increase, you get pushback and then you just say, never mind to the whole thing, that isn't really a clear approach. And so have these different scenarios already mapped out and chosen. It's okay to allow clients to to stay with you and not do the full fee increase, but you really need to see that as then being a part of your sliding scale and be really clear about who gets access to the sliding scale, how many spots are there on the sliding scale, does your full fee take into account or compensate for those sliding scale spots, or does that fee increase that you calculated only work if everyone does the fee increase? If you're going to let people not do the fee increase, now you're in a situation where that fee raise that you just did, that like full fee that you just calculated, is not actually high enough to compensate for all the people who didn't do the fee increase. So, anyway, I hope that makes sense. Again, go get the magic sheets to really like map out all these scenarios. You can like duplicate the like revenue simulator, the private practice simulator multiple times. So, you could have as many sheets as you wanted to with as many different scenarios as you wanted to to really see like all the differences. Um, But that can just be so helpful. Another thing to look out for here is that having clients agree to a fee increase, but then reduce their frequency of therapy. So say they're coming in weekly and they're like, yeah, I can do that fee increase, but I need to come in every other week. This is not actually an improvement to your revenue. You're not actually making more money when this happens oftentimes. And now not only are you not making more money, you also now have to onboard double the amount of clients in order to actually get that real revenue bump that you were hoping for, which means managing double the amount of people. And that's not nothing. You know, something that, again, going back to that supervisor who was such a great influence on me, she really talked about how clients take up psychic space even when we're not working with them. Like, there, there is something that happens when we're working with people, and, it, and it's different than, like, leaving... Leaving your work at work, like even if you can leave your work at work, there's something energetic happening about ha- being engaged with somebody on such an intimate level that is is really hard to like quantify or <laughs> or like put a dollar amount on. But you know what I'm talking about. And then on the logistical level, there's just all of the stuff that comes from managing more people on your caseload. It may be rescheduling them. It may be billing issues. And it may not feel like a lot, but double the amount of people you're working with right now and just think about what that would feel like, all the admin on the back end. Now, you could always pay someone else to do that work if you wanted to. But then again, we're we're trying to see about getting your revenue up. And you may be in a position where you're ready to throw down some money to do that. But I would rather have you, if if I had my way with it, focus on attracting weekly clients who are going to pay your full fee rather than doubling the number of people you're serving because you're only seeing everyone every other week or once a month. So again, have a plan for that. If you're planning on raising your fee and then all of your clients are like, sure, but I'll come in every other week. That's not making the change, y'all. It's it's not changing your revenue. So be on the lookout for that and have a plan for that. Once again. A really good thing to consider when you're doing a fee increase is like assess your marketing. How's that going? Are you talking to your niche? Is your marketing on point? Are there gaps? Are you good at sales? Like all of these are things you should be considering, period, but especially they're gonna become way more important when you're making a really big change to your business, like a dramatic fee increase. So There are a lot of resources on that, including my devotional sales practice. We'll just make sure that they're all linked in the show notes. It's going to be like a lot of podcast episodes, some different tools on my website and different programs, but definitely consider marketing when you're doing fee increases. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope this episode has helped dispel some myths about raising your fee and helped you set up some safeguards for how to roll out fee increases ethically. Now, I know you may have even more questions about raising fees with clients, like how do you actually have the conversation with clients? How do you talk to your clients about money and fees? Don't worry, next week is all about that, so make sure to tune in. I would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast. Reading your reviews warms my heart and just encourages me so much. So if you found this helpful, please consider leaving a review and a five-star rating. And also come say hi to me on Instagram at The Bad Therapist. I'll see you next week. That's all today for The Bad Therapist Show. Thanks so much for hanging with me. I hope you got some gems that you can start using right away in your own business so that you can break out of good therapist conditioning and build the business that you want. If you've gotten something out of this episode, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with one of your good therapist friends who really needs to hear it. And while you're at it, please consider leaving a rating and or review so that we can change not just our individual businesses, but transform the mental health system that got us here in the first place. Thank you so much. I'll see you next week for more private practice and coaching tips. Remember, bad therapists make the best therapists.